Hi, my name's Adam, and this is the Foster Adoption Podcast, a resource for people who are interested in growing their family by adopting children from foster care. The beautiful awkwardness of the time in between. In the last episode, I detailed what it's like to receive the phone call that matches you with your children. Our entire world had been all about waiting for that phone call for months. So after we received the phone call, we needed to quickly adjust to new things to obsess over. After we were matched with the boys, life was like a bizarre short pregnancy with lots of emotions and with none of the really intense things to happen to your body. First, we wondered, do we tell anyone? We're more excited than we've ever been about anything in our entire life but it's still so early and there are a multitude of things that could disrupt the adoption. They manage your expectations a lot in this process. Basically every social worker always makes everything sound like it has no chance of turning out well at all. So you can be pleasantly surprised when things do go okay. So similar to the first trimester of a pregnancy, when you aren't supposed to tell anyone, we started off not telling anybody in our lives that we had entered into a match. In the last episode, we detailed the difference between an emergency placement and a placement for the recruitment unit, which is what we're in. Because we were placed through PRU, there were a lot of steps to go through. First four days after our call, we heard from our adoption worker, and she was able to find out some more things about the boy's situation and the timeline. The next step was going to be a big meeting between all of the social workers involved. This includes our agency social worker, our agency adoption worker, the boys' county social worker, and the county adoption worker. She said it was usually really hard to get everyone all together because it was the holiday season. I said, whatever, no big deal. We're not worried. Take your time. Just dealing with our lives and our future. Just kidding. We were really respectful. Um, But it was pretty scary and infuriating to have to be at the whim of somebody else's schedule. But they somehow were able to find a place in everyone's schedule for exactly one week later. And we weren't allowed to be at the meeting, but from what we understand of it, they all sit down with the boys' entire file and our entire file. And the county presents everything about the boys and our agency presents everything about us as the potential adoptive placement. And they all try to make sure that it's going to be a good fit for everybody. So after this meeting, our agency worker called us to report on everything they talked about, and we took copious notes, and they checked in with us to make sure there were no red flags that have come up and that we're still all in on this match. At every single one of these check-ins, I try to be unemotional and make decisions based on facts and logic and not the unprecedented level of excitement that we were enduring. So as they asked if we were still in, we tried really hard to think of any reason why we wouldn't be. And I, I couldn't think of anything at all. This is not to say that it would be impossible to think of something to be nervous about or to, uh, to think about being a deal breaker for, but we just didn't have anything at that moment. Most of what you're going to be basing those decisions on is how risky the permanency plan is. Uh, backing up the entire goal of foster care is reunification with the birth of the family. Everyone, including foster parents, are supposed to have the number one goal of helping children reunify. 
For many children in the system, something happens at home that caused them to be detained, and then the birth parents are given steps to correct the problem, whether it be a rehab program or domestic violence classes or parenting training, etc. And eventually the children are able to reunify. That's what everyone's goal is. That's what, how it's supposed to work. So when you're a foster adopt parent, you're brought into the process when sadly it doesn't look like reunification is going to be possible. So for some uh, foster adopt families, they don't want to have any risk at all. So in their profile, they state that they only want to be matched with children who have already been cleared for adoption. You always hear those statistics that there are 400,000 children in foster care and 100,000 children ready for adoption. That means that 100,000 children have already been cleared for adoption. Their birth parents' rights have been terminated and they are ready. So if you fall in love with a child's profile on the heart gallery or if you're matched with a child who already has a permanency plan of adoption, this means that your process will probably be a little bit faster without a lot of court dates and with no birth parent visits. If you're matched with children who have not yet been cleared for adoption, this is a concurrent plan. Basically, the goal is still reunification, but if it looks like it's heading toward adoption, they want to identify an adoptive placement in case the court decides to continue down the adoption path. This is why there were so many steps for us and so many check-ins to see if we wanted to continue with the match. Our agency workers tried to analyze every part of the case to get a sense of whether this case was indeed going to head toward adoption or if reunification would indeed be possible or whether an extended birth family member would come out of the woodwork to try and uh, take the children. If reunification with the birth parents is not possible, the next step is to try and find any kin who the children can be placed with. Then, if no kin is found, they try to find an adoptive placement. In our case, it seemed like everything was on the road to adoption. And while there was a family member interested in, in the boys, it didn't seem to any of the social workers like that would be a healthier, likely placement possibility for the boys. So as excited as we were, we tried to think unemotionally about the situation. The boys were in a stable foster home, so if there was a chance that they would reunify or be placed with kin, it was important to not move them into our home before reunifying. The more you can limit the amount of homes a child has to move into, the better. So if they're going to reunify, it'd be much easier for them to stay in their current foster home until that happens. That would be a much better transition for the children. However, despite an upcoming court date to evaluate whether they could reunify or be placed with kin, the social workers didn't think either are a possibility. So we continued in the match. Therefore, the next step was going to be for us to meet with the county adoption worker and our agency worker so she could directly present to us everything about the children and then show us a picture. We were told a million times that they purposefully wait as long as possible to show you a picture because they want you to listen to everything about the situation beforehand. They very accurately think that when you see a cute picture, you are going to say immediately, Yes, yes, yes to anything, which is true. But they want you to be making logical decisions and decisions that are going to be good for everybody. So we were creeping up on Christmas and we kept on hearing how no one works during this time and how everyone is on vacation. And so we we were pretty sure that we were going to have to wait until after the new year. But our county adoption worker is just really efficient and hardworking and she fit us in during Christmas week. 
So this was the moment that I really started to get nervous. Things were getting reeled. We traveled to the Department for Children and Family Services, and there was an immediate tone shift. Our agency is beautiful and warm and kind and filled with super happy, nice people. And that's all that we've experienced until this point. When we were in the county waiting room, it was just, it was one of the coldest places I'd ever experienced. It was like the DMV waiting room. Only everyone was there because of really important things going on regarding children. This is where Matt comes in. Matt's one of the most positive people you could ever encounter in your life. And in situations like this, his joy intensifies to kind of achieve balance. So we were sitting in these plastic seats surrounded by white walls and a security guard and just overall kind of a solemn feel to it. It's a kind of a place where you don't think that it's seen a smile in a long time. So I was horribly nervous and Matt was quietly humming songs from Grease 2. Not Grease, like Summer Lovin' or Grease Lightning, but Grease 2. So he did a lot to, to help us uh, calm down in the situation. But our adoption worker came out and pointed us to a small glass room that looked like an interrogation room on SVU or something. She looked like someone I would never want to be on the wrong side of. She was tough and firm and extremely intimidating. She said, just sit there. We wouldn't start until our agency worker was there. We told her that she was going to be a little late and she did not look happy. Now our agency worker, who was so nice and so warm, showed up. And that made us feel a little bit better. The adoption worker started by telling us about the boys in a very matter-of-fact way. I took notes about everything that she said. Her firm tone definitely started to make sense to me. She, she deals with a lot of unpleasant things. She interacts with a lot of people who need a firm tone. Uh, she's in the business of making sure kids are safe and taken care of, and she needs to be firm to do that. So I accepted the situation after a few minutes. So with the boys, she told us some generalities of what they've encountered, and uh, she went through... Um, when they were born and what their birth statistics were and if drugs were or were not found in their system. And then she gives us information on the behaviors that they present with now and what the concerns are. And she said a little bit about their personality and we just hung on her every word. It was so great to hear everything about the boys. She talked about the current foster home they're in and how it was really far away and hard to drive to. Uh, Matt interjected and talked about the toll road that you can take there, which prompted seriously like a 15-minute conversation about toll roads and traffic. I was fuming because I could not have possibly cared less about this conversation. My mind was purely squared on the fact that we were about to see a picture of our children, and they were talking about traffic. Ay, ay, ay. At the same time, I was so happy because the adoption worker's tone had completely changed. Kind of the warmth and kind, kindness was contagious. And she was now completely disarmed and was laughing and happy and making joy, jokes. It was amazing. We, we've gotten to know her a lot over the past year. And she's a really wonderful person. And that's the version that we get now. So she's great. So back to this moment. We went through a lot more details. And she said, all right, I think that's it. Do you have any questions? We hadn't seen a picture yet. Our adoption worker said, so do you not have a picture? My heart sank just at the possibility. This was the 
only place my mind had been on for such a long time. I put so much pressure on this picture. I agonized over what I would feel when I would see this picture. If I would be like, oh, there are kids. If I would start crying or if I would say, ah, I don't feel anything. What's wrong? My heart stood still while waiting for this answer. And she says, oh, well, did you want to see a picture? The thing that had consumed my every thought could not have possibly been more of an afterthought for her. She said, all right. She reached into her file and pulled out a piece of paper with two thumbnail size black and white pictures that had been through 17 copy machines. It was not the eight and a half by 11 color photo that was in my mind, but whatever, it would work. I know that they were talking about something when they handed it to us, but all capacity for listening flew out the window in that moment. We stared and stared at those photos not to be cliche or trite, but they're seriously the most beautiful photos I've ever seen in my life. They were perfect. They were just so sweet and beautiful, and their eyes were so innocent and kind, and I was completely just overwhelmingly in love. The adoption worker said something about their complexion, and Matt started talking to her about he's Mexican but looks white, and that started a nice long conversation, which allowed me to execute our plan. See... I scoured the internet for examples of these meetings, and I couldn't find out if we got to keep the picture or not. I knew beforehand that we would want to obsess over this picture forever and just look at it constantly, so not having it was not an option. So while Matt was talking to her, I was able to pull the pictures under the table to take a picture of them. The conversation went on for long enough that I was able to take pictures of all the documents that we had been handed. None of it mattered, though, because we were indeed able to take everything home with us, including the pictures. So if you're in this similar situation, don't fret about it. You'll be able to take everything home. So this was the last check-in. And if we didn't think that the match was going to work, we needed to say so before we went to the next step. So at the end, she said, all right, if you guys need to sleep on it, give me a call the next few days and please let me know. And we looked at each other and nothing had definitely changed at all. We were all in. And so we enthusiastically asked to proceed. She said, okay, well, we can set up a time for you to meet the boys. I can send you some possibilities. And then if you want to look at your calendar the next few days, I jumped in and said, there's absolutely nothing on our calendar that we wouldn't move for this. So you tell us the soonest that you can possibly do it and we will be there. She put it on the calendar for eight days later, the longest eight days of our lives. So during that time, we celebrated Christmas while only imagining what our next Christmas would be like with, with the kids. We then went on a little mini vacation to clear our minds. We went to a college bowl game. We saw movies. We started trying to do as much as possible that we knew would be difficult to do with kids because things were getting real. We now, we we're able to seriously start thinking about what our lives with these boys would look like. But first, we had to meet them. Uh, that'll be for the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Happy New Year. Mm-hmm.